0: Not on? I'm on. I'm on. Okay. It was on the run sheet that Fee was going to introduce Dan. I'm like, that's really weird. <laughs> this is Dan. And that was Fee. That was weird. Um, can we all just close our eyes for a moment? Just <clears throat> you close your eyes. Put your hands out if you like. Just in a posture ready to receive. Lord Jesus, we just want to take this moment right here, right now. We want to take this space to fix our heart and our mind on things above where you are seated, not on earthly things. And right now we choose to set our affections on you, to set our heart on you, to set our mind on you. To surrender our thoughts, to surrender our concerns, to, cons- to surrender disappointment, to surrender feelings of injustice, feelings of betrayal, feelings of hopelessness. And God, as we just set our gaze and our attention on you and your word, which is your voice in print, we ask the Holy Spirit, the author of this all-sufficient, powerful book, that you would touch us today, that you would be our great counselor, you'd be our great comforter, and that we would leave here with a greater knowledge of you And you, the God, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside us, will be with us always, that you will never leave us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My son Judah said to me today, Dad, do you think I should give the announcement for Upper Room? I said, yeah, why not? And we were leaving the house to come to the meeting, and he said, well, you know, there's just been so much lost. There's so much pain and people have died that we prayed for and people have not been healed. And I said, son, that's all the more reason to press in and believe God for everything that he paid for on the cross. Jesus came to destroy everything that came to destroy you and me. And we're gonna push forward, church, even in pain. And, you know, for me, I'm sure you're all fully aware that Dr. LaCarva, Bob LaCarva, went home to be with Jesus this last week. And the pain of that, to lose a friend, someone that I've personally walked with for over 16 years. And then reflecting on disappointments people that have died i counted over nine friends that i've lost people that i know people that i love and you know when you're most vulnerable we're actually most teachable and in the pain of the soul and the pain is in the anguish that anguish that pain can be turned into something that is earnest i was reading in in luke 22 this week just reading when Jesus asked the disciples could you not tarry one hour and the pain that he went through at Gethsemane and the betrayal of Judas and I was reading the whole thing and he he says this pray so that you will not be tempted and I wrote in my bible in the margin prayer is the antidote to temptation the temptation to fall asleep the foot, the temptation to give up, the temptation to become apathetic, the temptation to turn back. And I just want to provoke us. I, 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 if it's okay with you, I'm just going to kind of share a little bit from my own journal, my own musings and my own journey with the Lord. He gave me this to me last night and uh, I'm going to read it to you. It's called Fear. Fear strikes in 2020. So go back 20. One years ago, see how I did that. Yeah, twenty in 2020, Y2K was going to destroy everything. Sorry, sorry, in 2000. Yeah, okay, there you go. I wonder why you're like, "Uh, yeah. No, you didn't do that. (laughs) There are three types of people in this world: those who are good at math and those who aren't. In in 2000, Y2K was going to destroy everything. In 2001, anthrax was going to kill us all. In 2002, West Nile virus was going to kill us all. In 2003, SARS was going to kill us all. In 2005, the bird flu was going to kill us all. In 2006, E. coli was going to kill us all. In 2008, there was a financial collapse, economical and that collapse that was going to kill us all. In 2009, the swine flu was gonna kill us all. In 2012, the Mayan calendar predicts that the whole world was gonna end, do you remember that? In 2013, North Korea was gonna cause World War III. In 2014, Ebola virus was gonna kill us all. In 2015, ISIS was gonna kill us all. In 2016, the Zika virus was going to kill us all. In 2020, the coronavirus was going to kill us all. And the truth is fear is going to kill you if you continue to live in fear. And then it just says, so turn off your TV and wash your hands. I said the other day that I wanted to talk about healthy church and what are the hallmarks of a healthy church. If Jesus is coming back for a bride that has made herself ready, everyone say ready, then what does that ultimately look like? I often ask myself this question, what will the church look like two seconds before Jesus comes back? And if we go to the end and work backwards, what work do we need to do? Because sometimes if your eschatology is everything is going to get worse and worse and worse, and then Jesus is going to appear to save the church, and, and the, the mothership is going to come just to rescue us last, last at, the, at the last moment, I think we might end up being disappointed when we realize that actually God has given us to bring restoration to things, to beautify things, and to win. I've read the end of the book, we actually win. The bride will win. The army will win. The house will be built. The vine will be fruitful. The body will be fitly joined together, functioning under the direction of the head. We win church. But uh, as if you were here last week, the gentleman Mark Anderson was talking about um, heaven and then earth and the spiritual atmosphere which reigns between the two. The Bible says that that Satan is the God of this spiritual ion, which is a spiritual metron, which is a spiritual atmosphere. But the more heaven comes to invade earth, the more the enemy gets threatened. And that's why the church needs to rise. And Romans says that all creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. So the church needs to stand up, but we shouldn't be surprised. And that's why the Bible says, think it not strange when we face the fiery darts of the enemy. Duh, don't think it's strange. Of course, the more heaven comes, the more God's will is done right here on earth as it is in heaven that Jesus us to pray in Matthew chapter six, the more it upsets the hordes of hell. And when the church starts moving forward, we just shouldn't think it's strange when we face the fiery darts of the enemy. Don't think it's strange, the Bible says, because it's gonna happen. But it can cause us to do one of two things. It can cause us to shrink back It can cause us to go into a place of fear, or it can cause us to actually stand up and start using our authority and moving forward. And so uh, this is kind of like a porcupine message. It's kind of like lots of points, and I'm just going to go all over the place. I haven't really prepared this. I, I I just found myself, where are you, Dan? You know, find your center. When God asked Adam, where are you? He wasn't playing hide and seek. He was actually asking Adam to ask himself where he was. And and, uh, if you go to a mall and you look for directions, there's a directory there and it says all the different floors and every different store's got a code. And then there's a sticker and on the sticker it says three words and those words are? Are You are here. See, if you don't know where you are, if I don't know where I am, it doesn't matter where we're going, we'll never get there because we don't know where we are. So starting point is really important. So I guess I kind of, uh, from my own walk with God, from my own going through the pain, going through disappointment, going through the things that I've just experienced, um, I I find myself going back to that place of finding my center. At four o'clock this morning, I sat in the chair, I actually fell asleep for an hour or two, but, um, but I was just lost in this place of, I've got to find my center, where am I? Because for me, I find if I, don't, if I lose my center and I can't evaluate where I'm really at, then I start to, um, and I'm off center, I start to misfire. And I can start acting out of the flesh. I can start acting in panic. I can start acting in, you know, we can, we can walk by the spirit or we can walk by the flesh. And, and Galatians chapter 5 lists what the, the acts of the flesh are and the acts of the spirit that we can put on kindness, we can put on love, we can put on self-control, or we can go to the other and become angry. And, and when I think about a church being healthy, it's a church that has clothed herself with power. Jesus says, "Don't leave Jerusalem until you've clothed yourself with power." And it's the power of the Spirit. And so when we do that, we live by the Spirit. And when we live by the Spirit, we don't gratify the things of the flesh. And I'm not. Sure, when we think of the flesh, we just think of drunkenness and all these terrible sins. But sometimes it's just having a stinking bad attitude. Sometimes it's just as simple as as like, I need to stay in the conversation here. I don't get to walk away. Sometimes I don't just get to throw my toys out the pram and just say, well, then I'm just leaving or I'm just quitting. It's like, I don't think you get to do that because when you left the domain of darkness and you were brought into the marvelous kingdom of light, you decided to come under his kingship in his kingdom, in his domain, and we actually died to our own rights and laid them all down. And said, Jesus, we choose to follow you. And with that came an instruction manual called the Bible, the Word of God, which is his voice in print. And if we follow that, you'll realize you don't get to walk away. You get to to walk it out. Stay in the conversation. But so often, there's things that happen in our life where, we, where, where, where we become, our defense mechanism comes, comes up, our ego comes up, and, out, and they're really things of the flesh. And we start fighting, and suddenly the church is starting to squabble, and the enemy is continuing to gain, gain ground until we realize what's happening here. We say, stop this. We're not doing this. There's an enemy to, to fight we The enemy is trying to put us into confusion, so we're fighting, us, fighting each other, silly, stupid arguments, and we're not taking any territory. And God in his patience, and God in his kindness, it says in Peter, is not slow in keeping his promises to, re- to return as some consider slowness. No, he's actually being patient for our sake, giving us time to repent, which means to change our mind. So I, I just want to provoke us today. I, is that okay? I want to just... let's. And maybe we need some, uh, a little bit of chiropractic uh, help. Um, the greatest command is to do what? To, say it slowly. To love God. Okay, there's the upward. Everyone say upward. Number two is to love your neighbor. And number three is as you love yourself. So there's three journeys here. There's the journey upward, there's the journey outward, and the journey inward. But Jesus says this, The greatest command is to love me and then it's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everyone say yourself. So you'll be pleased to know maybe that today I want to talk about you and I want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about anybody else. I want to talk about me. Everybody say me. Me. Say today I am going to learn about me. Yes we're going to talk about you because if we don't love you then you won't be able to love anybody else. And the love that you need to love someone else is the love of God. So when we love God, we realize how much he loves us. And when we receive the love that he has for us, we can give it away. So I don't know if you've ever felt this, but if you meet somebody that's kind of not really understood how to love themselves, you almost don't want them to love you. Like, dude, if you can't love you, I don't know if I want you to love me you're not going to love me well, because you don't know what love is. And this then is love, 1 John 4 says, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Boom, mic drop. You can just write that down. We could go home right now. This then is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. We first of all have to know that we're loved. And you know, there's a principle of the Spirit. It's in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. It says this, He who refreshes others will himself be fresh. Another, tra- be refreshed. Another translation says, He who waters others will himself be watered. It's a principle of the Spirit. And again, when we have the love of God on us, it's contagious. And when we're like Him, when we live by the Spirit and we put on love, it just becomes automatically flows out of us. I don't, norm- I don't like using myself as an illustration, but... Um, if I don't, it, will kind of, it won't make sense. But a, few, a couple of weeks ago, I could see that the, the snow is going to come. It's, the snow is gonna fly. If you love the snow, you're happy. If you don't, sorry. Be ready in season and out. There is out of season, there's in season. Suck it up, get it used to it. It's Chicago, it's just how we, where we are and where we live. Right, so snow's coming, right? Snow's good, snow's great. Um, if you like the snow, I like the snow. But I don't like the snow on my driveway. <sighs> because then I just, normally I'm from England, so I don't, you know, I didn't know you had to, cl- to clear leaves, just let the leaves lay on the ground. And I didn't know you had to clear snow, just walk on top of the snow. And then people told me about lawsuits and things like that. And so, so now I just, I just, I just let feed it. No, I, I now I, now, I, no, 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 I bought a, qu- anyway, so I went on Facebook Marketplace and I bought, and I found this, uh, I found this snowblower. So. And it was a big, heavy one. And, and I thought, I'm going to get ahead of everybody else because everybody is still, it's like a few weeks ago. And I thought, everybody's just, it's still sunny. You know, no one's thinking about snow. And so I found one. And then I thought, there's one. It's, it just came on. And it was in West Chicago. And I was headed that way. So I said, can I come right now? And the lady said, yes. And so I get there. and I'm in my truck on my own. And, and the garage door opens. And there's this lady there. And I said, hi, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing good. And, and, uh, and she said, so this is the snowblower. And so I looked at the snowblower and I looked at her and I just, her whole face was just, just her countenance was da- down. I, I, I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I, I'm okay. Do you want to buy the snowblower? And I said, I, "I sure, does it work? She said, yeah. And I said, okay. I said, but you okay? And she said, no, I'm not. I said, what, what's going on? She said, the reason I'm selling my snowblower is because my husband has Alzheimer's. And he's really angry. And he doesn't know who he is. And I have to look after him because I don't have any insurance. And, and, and I have a dog, and the dog is dying. And I have no life. And I have no future. And I can't afford to put him in a home. And this is my life. And we went to retire. But I can't lift him. And he's too heavy. And, I don't and she just started to cry. So then I started to cry. She said, why are you crying? And I said... I, I, I just, I don't know. I said, I just feel your pain. And she said, so anyway, what's your name? I said, Dan, she said, what's your name? She said, Jodie. I said, Jody. I'll buy the snowblower just if you say it works, but um, only if I can pray for you. And she said, you pray for me? I said, I would just love to pray for you. So she said, Okay. She said, I'm, I'm not very, I've got a bad back, so I can't help you lift it. I said, oh, I, I can lift it. <laughs> this thing's massive, but anyway. So I, didn't, I li- lifted it on my own, but. Um, but I was just stood there, and I just felt so overwhelmed. And I said to her, <laughs> I, said, I said, she said, do you, I said, do you have any change? She said, no. And I said, well, how much? Now, normally I negotiate, right? But today, I just didn't want to negotiate. So I said, look, um, I don't have any change. But actually, I'd like to give you more than you're asking it anyway. And I'd like you to go and do something nice for yourself. Go and get your hair done or go out for dinner. You know, go and be nice. Be kind to yourself. And she just lost it. And then I lost it. I thought, what's wrong with me? I am just stood here, this lovely lady. And I'm praying for her. And then, anyway, I got the thing and I put up. And I gave her the money. And gave her a hug and said goodbye, right? I left. And then suddenly things started to happen over the last couple of weeks. Friends going home to be with the Lord unexpectedly. People being diagnosed with things in the middle of a healing conference. Yeah. While we were having a healing conference here, one of the pastors in the church in the UK had a sudden heart attack. In his sixties and died. Total <coughs> shock. While the meeting was going on, and I just then it was another thing, and then another thing, and then another thing, and another thing, and I just you know I, the, you know there is a straw that breaks the camel's back. The problem is we never know what that straw is, <laughs> and then the straw comes and it's like oh that was just tipped over, and I feel like I'm just carrying this paint. and I'm, I feel injured, I feel hurt. So another week went by. And, And I I said, God, I'm really hurting. I have nothing to give. And the Holy Spirit said, yes, you do. Because as you refresh others, I will refresh you. I said, but God, I've got nothing to give. He said, no, no, it's a principle of my spirit. If you give, I'll give to you. And I I reminded of this lady. And I thought, it's been a couple of weeks. I wonder how her husband's doing. So I'm hurting and I'm in pain. And I just text her. I was sitting on my front porch with V. I said, Hi Jody, it's Dan. I don't know if you remember me. I bought your snowblower. Don't know if it works, because it hasn't snowed yet. But anyway. <laughs> I just wanted to know how you were doing. She texted back. She said, My husband my son just got diagnosed with cancer. My son. And he just dropped dead. I'm like, what? She said, How did you know? Are you an angel? (laughs) And I'm crying, like, No, you could ask fee. You know, the Bible says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I'm just giving this as a principle and the reason I just I wouldn't already tell the story being me I'd, but as a principle of the spirit if you refresh someone else you yourself will be refreshed it takes you out of yourself it takes you out of yourself the bible says that he gives seed to the sower will you say that with me he gives seed to the sower and bread for food so watch this some seed is for eating and some seed is for sowing And if he gives you seed to sow, can I encourage you, don't eat it. (laughs) Don't eat the seed that God gave you to eat. The seed he gave you to eat, use it to eat. But he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. And he gives seed to store up for the next generation. So there's three S's, there's seed for set for yourself, there's seed for sowing and there's seed for storing. It's another principle of the spirit. I said this is a porcupine message, right? So I'm gonna be all over the place. But these are the things that I felt Holy Spirit reminding me of for me to stay healthy in my own soul Because when you're in pain, you want to protect. When you're you're disappointed, you want to withdraw. When you can't see what happens, I just want to... And actually moving in the opposite spirit is actually a principle of the spirit. And it's a principle of the kingdom. And it will help us, like the oil of the Holy Spirit oil us, and we suddenly start getting refreshed again and realizing why we're here on planet Earth. I don't think God cares much about Snowblower but God did knew I'm gonna if I can just get you here I can I can bring you to bring someone to bring hope to someone who is hopeless she knew nothing about God the more I talked to her and heard her story she had no idea she just said I'm just waiting here for all these bad things to come upon me and then I'm going to die we grieve not as those who have no hope. doesn't mean we don't grieve. It just means our loss has an end to it, and it's hope. And watch this. He who has the most hope has the most influence. We've got to live in hope. It's a living hope. In the midst of our pain, in the, in the midst of our anguish, give again. Keep giving. It's a prince. You'll feel. You'll feel good. And I don't mean about feelings. I mean, it's it's the language of heaven. It's the principle of the Spirit. All right, um, a little bit of time left. I'm going to just renew some things. This is another thing I went back to. I went back to um, and I reviewed, I rewound, and I renewed truth. When you're in a place where you don't know what to do, and you're in a place where you're saying, Where are you? Where am I? Where, where am I emotionally? Where am I spiritually? Where am I relationally? Where am I financially? Where am I? If you can go back to the Word of God and pr- all the, the principles of the Word of God, things that you know. And I want to do that with you just in the short time that we've got left. Um, so. Um, I'm going to read this. Now, if many of you know, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is proclaiming, teaching is explaining. Yeah. Right? and to teach means to cause to learn, it's a different rhythm, it's a different pace. By nature, my personality is I'm more of a preacher, I like to proclaim stuff, but today I'm going to go a little bit slower, because I think these, this is worthy and worth in this moment, like any family, and we're a church family, that we pause and reflect on how we're really doing, and do a little heart check, and some of you may be here, maybe you're a visitor, like, this is a little bit weird and a bit heavy in here, but you know, if you've ever lost someone, just to be, hey, it's, everything's going to be okay, is actually not, not healthy. What is healthy is to pause and reflect and actually go to God. Jesus says when you pray, go, don't babble like the pagans. Go into your room and close the door. And it's a healthy thing to sometimes close the door from all the voices and choices and talk to your heavenly father here in secret. And sometimes the worst thing that we can do is just go and Google and find out the answers to what other people are saying or just ask, or or talk to the wrong people, talk to the wrong way. But Jesus says, if you come to me, watch this. Jesus says in Luke 22, when he was going through his darkest hour, he says, pray so that you will not be tempted. So prayer and spending time with Jesus is an antidote to temptation. And some of the things, the pickles we get ourselves into simply are because we don't take the time to actually go and, and, and hide away with Jesus. Okay, here we go. Ready? We are either on a journey of discovering health and freedom and becoming more like him, or we're on a journey where we're getting further away and hemmed in and locked up. And then you just start enduring life instead of enjoying life. Most of the time, the greatest hindrance to our growth is not the enemy, it's me or you. Most of the time, the greatest enemy to our growth and our hindrance is me, not Satan, not the devil. Wrong thinking and unbiblical belief systems rob us of knowing our significance and knowing the depth of the Father's love for us. This is why we need to spend time with him. I keep going? Okay, I'm going slow, okay? This is the pace. So you can write notes, you can go back, you can rewind. Okay. No relationship you have is healthier than you any relationship is only as healthy as the least healthy person in that relationship our relationships are only as healthy as we are so how do we get healthy this is a heart check moment. This is a sealer. This is a, a pause. We're talking about healthy church. How do we get healthy? If Jesus is coming back for a bride that's made herself, herself ready, what will the church look like one second before the trumpet sounds, the skies open up, and Jesus returns to collect his bride? What happened? A renewed mind. That we're thinking like God. We have the mind of Christ. Right, let's keep going. There is a deep desire in everyone on the planet to be significant. And the world is driven by this. Significance. Through music, through looks, through image, through success, through money, through fame, through notoriety. I I talked to a young person a while ago, and I said, hey man, what happened to that cool car you had? Uh, What happened to your cool car? He goes, I know, right? I need to go and get it back because I sold it and I bought another car. And I said, oh, what what, what do you miss about it? He says, no one looks at me when I drive down the street anymore. I thought, really? Is that why we buy a car? For what it looks like? The number one common addiction before alcoholism is the need to feel significant, the need to feel worthy, the need to feel special. Now that's a need, is a need, is a need, is a need. It's a, it's a human need. It's not necessarily wrong. But the, the, what's wrong is if we fulfill that need from the wrong place. King Solomon said, with all his wisdom and all his success in Ecclesiastes, by the way, uh, men, he had 300 girlfriends and 700 wives. You could do the math. It's, 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 it was, that's quite a job. <laughs> But this is the sum result of that. That's a thousand. There's 365 days in a year. Okay, okay, back to the notes. Okay. So he says all of this is meaningless, like chasing the wind. So whatever you're pursuing, that you actually fundamentally believe will actually fulfil and that fill that void in your heart. Solomon had a good shot at it, and his conclusion was, it's like chasing the wind. It's meaningless. In other words, there's something else that can actually truly satisfy. Personal significance of knowing you are unconditionally loved. That is the key to personal significance, knowing, ready, that we are absolutely loved, that we are adored, that we're accepted, that God thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're special. He thinks you're wonderful. And watch this. You can write this down. This can never be achieved. It can only be received. It can never be achieved. It can only be received. The reason for that is because it was achieved at Calvary. The wrath of God was satisfied at Calvary. I, I'm going to renew a really old lesson really, really quick. I can do. This is the domain of darkness. This is the marvelous kingdom of light. We were once slaves. We were once sinners. The Bible says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were on a journey to the cross, doing things for love, doing things for acceptance, doing things for victory. But we couldn't. Us, our, our, our goodness was... Was like filthy rags. It is by grace that we're saved and not by works. But for God so loved the world, He sent His Son Jesus. Everyone say the cross. And Jesus died on the cross. He carried our sickness, He carried our shame. He carried our sin. He actually became sin. And the wrath of God was satisfied. It wasn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild. It, the, Isaiah said he was marred beyond human likeness. He was, his body was ripped open. And he became sin. And so the gospel, which means good news, is those who accept it by faith get taken from the domain of darkness and through the finished work of the cross brought into the marvelous kingdom of light over here. Hello. Isn't it great to be in the marvelous kingdom of all you hear over here. And there we, And so now we're not on a journey to the cross. We're on a journey from the cross. We're not doing things for love, we're doing things from love. We're not doing things for acceptance, we're doing from things from a place of being accepted. We're not doing things for victory, we're doing things from a place of victory. We are living in the marvelous kingdom of light. It's wonderful. It's a marvellous kingdom. So, I'm just renewing. I tell you, this is what I do for myself. I am no longer a sin. Uh, I'm not a slave. It is by grace that I've been saved, not by works and no man can boast. Now I am a saint. Now I am a son. You are a son or you're a daughter of the king living in the marvellous kingdom of light. It's a great life. And we chose it. And when we came into this kingdom, we chose to follow his instruction manuals, which is the word of God. It's a great book. Yeah, so good. And it's living and it's active and it's alive. So we're no longer slaves, we're no longer sinners. That's why Galatians 5 verse one says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not let yourself be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. Everything in my life wants to see people set free. everything in my life I want to see people make good choices so they can change the world that's why I'm here that's why I get out of bed every morning anyway so there's that (laughs) so um, I'm going to preach myself happy (laughs) significance is not achieved it is received it can only be received um we don't need to find, I don't need to find my, find my value in what you think of me. <laughs> you don't need to find your value in what other people think of me. If you began to boo me this morning, as like, you're a rubbish pastor, boo. Then uh, if, that, if that absolutely floors me, I've handed you my significance. Okay, keep going. Too much, too much for a Sunday morning? Mm. The only, the only place we can truly find our significance is through our Father God. Not through the accolades of man, not through sports, not through careers, not through our physical being, not through just going to the gym, got some six-packs back there. (laughs) if we look for if we look elsewhere for our significance other than our father of god two things happen number one you'll spend your life allowing others to determine your significance and your identity a man named henry bass swoop said this I cannot give you the formula to success because it's uniquely different for everyone, but I can give you the formula to failure, and it's try to please everybody. And the second is you'll become self-focused, 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 self-focused. Self-focused. If you find your identity or your significance from somebody else, you will become self-focused. You become self-ish because you will have to constantly be working on yourself and on your appearance and how you come across. I want to keep unpacking this. Is this okay? Can I keep going a little bit more? We're nearly done. Okay, nearly done. And when we fo- like pain, when we focus our minds on pain, our, our, or we focus on, focus on pain, period, our mind forms pathways to focus more on that pain. So when you focus on self, on power, on wealth, on notoriety, on fame, on sex, on image, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Anything you focus on, focus on that, um, that's to do with self Never ends. I could keep going on this, but do you remember when the dialogue between Lucifer and God, he says, I will ascend. I will become. I will be like the most high God in Isaiah. You can read it. And God says, nope, I'm not having any of it. I call it the I factor. When we get so engrossed in us and and what other people's opinions are are of us and we find that self-significance in us, the I factor comes into play and it's a very dangerous place all right here we go really quickly Um, statistics for counseling I've I've read these before a long time ago but 80% of counseling was found to be useless because they weren't looking for a solution they were focused on self I'm so thankful for people in the kingdom of God for people who are full of the spirit of God For people in this church, people like Cynthia, who have dedicated their lives to not focus just on a problem, but focus on the solution. Because we have got to come out of darkness. The Spirit of the Lord, watch this Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. Everyone say, two. I think as charismatic, sometimes we forget that, that the Spirit of God has not just anointed me so I can laugh and have an encounter with God, but he's actually anointed me to something, and that too is actually very specific. It's to set the captives free, to bind up the broken carted, to comfort those who mourn and for those who gr- grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness and so all counselling must lead us and plug us back into the head which is Christ the fool says, Proverbs says in, the, fool, the fool says in his heart I am right 70% of, the, of your day you are communicating with someone stay tuned watch this We communicate at a rate of 150 to 200 words per minute. Some more, some less. We self-talk, watch this, at a rate of 1,300 words a minute in your head. So we talk 150 to 200 words per minute on average, but we self-talk 1,300 words in a minute. Self-talk doesn't stop when you sleep and it influences the way you think. And psychologists say that 70% of your self-talk is negative. 70% of self-talk is negative. And everyone believes their self-talk is right. As a man thinks, in his heart, so is he. As a nation thinks in their heart, so is he. As a church thinks in their heart, so is he. We're talking about healthy church. It's important. Can you see it's important that we think right? It's important that we think biblically. It's important that we think God thoughts. It's important that we are God conscious, not sin conscious. It's important that, that we, we live in the reality there is now no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. That we are actually free. That we are no longer slaves. That we are no longer sinners but we are sons and daughters and saints of the most high God. And that we can live free. And that the things that held us like the people of Israel, of Egypt held us in slavery. The, dead, the, the, the waters of baptism killed the old man so that we could be free. We've got to live free. So self-talk. As a man thinks in his heart, self-talk is learned by your belief system and can be relearned by God's word. Many experts think that the mind is a composition of intricate internal conversations. Our conversations hold an unending dialogue with ourselves, with ourselves. A conversation with ourselves, that colors every experience that you may have. Can you see why, by the way, we think is important? Can you see why, where we get our significance is really important? I'm going to pray in just a moment. Let me just say one more thing. 90% of people think that they are self-aware, but only 10% actually are. That's, a, that's actually proven to be true. That only 10% of people actually have true self-awareness. This is why we need one another. This is also why the starting point has to be a heart, a heart that is ready to receive truth. That where our significance isn't actually what you think about me, but it's what God thinks about me, and the way I'm going to find that out is by what he wrote about me, which comes from the word of God. So many people are not self-aware. To flourish as a people, self awareness is essential. It's essential that we learn to not have self significance and, and know where that comes from, but self awareness. And I could unpack this and I'm going to in, in, in the weeks to come, but I just want to say I think God's people should be the most powerful people on the planet. I think they should be healthy. I do. I think we should believe in everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. There are people in this room who've lost loved ones. There are people in this room who have prayed for people that didn't get healed. What I love is when they're standing laying hands on the sick. When they're comforting those who mourn, they didn't it didn't knock them out of the race. Hebrews says we're not of those who shrink back. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep moving forward. Come on. Come on church. Here's the thing. Because we're not self-aware, we don't know what's going on. And because we don't know what's going on, we don't know who to ask for help. Read that again. Because we are not self-aware, we don't really know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And because we don't know what's going on we don't know where to go for help. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> you know, anyone watch American Idol? And you see, you see someone, and it's, it's unfair because they've clearly televised somebody that they know is going to do bad, but it makes good television, so they just embarrass them. But, you know, the parents are all there, and the grandparents, and they push their children on, on and they're young people, and they, they've been singing since they were three, and they're amazing. And then they go up there, and they just bomb. They can't really sing. And it takes Simon Cowell, somebody to go like, that was just awful and that was terrible and it's really mean and horrible and they go away. And then some of them turn around and they just start firing back. ra ra you don't know, you wait and see. I'm gonna be the next Beyonce, rah, 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 rah. And they're just mad and you're just like, whoa, and it's really embarrassing and it's like, ah, the whole thing is just really cringeable. But the real issue is just self-awareness. It's not just self-awareness for the person, but the, for the family. It's a lack of self-awareness. You ever see somebody with a, with, with a t-shirt, I'm the best dad in the world, and their kids hate him? You know? <laughs> <laughs> too, too much? Oh, okay. Or you just think you're the most amazing boss, but your staff just don't like you, just think you're an awful boss. Why, what's the issue? The issue is self-awareness. Yeah. We need to become really self-aware. But how do we do that? I want to keep unpacking that. Not today, <laughs> people are like, what? Not now. What? Really? <laughs> And you know, I think in many ways the church hasn't helped. If you come from a church background, because we've told ourselves we need to die to self. I can't look at myself because I've been taught to die to self. I need to have low self-worth because low self-worth is true humility. That's a lie. Humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says that you are. That's where the Bible says that Moses was the most humble man that ever lived and Moses wrote it. He did. He wrote of himself, because humility is having an accurate assessment of who God says you are. Therefore, pride is having an inaccurate assessment of who you think that you are. That's a lack of self-awareness. And then the pride that comes beyond that, see, pride always covers fear. See, when we don't really know what's going on, the fear manifests in pride. Well, what's the antidote to that? Perfect love casts out fear. So if you deal with the fear, then you get rid of the pride. I'm going fast, I know. Okay, here's another one. I don't trust, you don't trust yourself. You have low self-worth. You die to yourself. You don't trust yourself. I just don't trust myself. Or you're told, you shouldn't trust yourself. Where did that come from, that belief system? Hmm. Midlife crisis, I had a life coach who talked to me about midlife crisis Is that it really it's just, a, it's just a time in your life that does not have to be a crisis. <laughs> it's actually just a time where you're halfway and you've got the same amount in your rearview mirror that you do in your windshield and you've got a decision to make. What did you plan to do? What is your plan for the rest? But people who didn't have a plan because they weren't self-aware of what they did with the first part of their life, now they're daunted by the, the next part of their life. Self awareness. It doesn't have to be a crisis. We get to a place where the road behind you in your rearview mirror is fuller than the view in your windshield. There's more road behind you than there is in front of you. And that can cause a crisis. But I want to suggest in order to be a healthy church and the healthy ecclesia and the healthy people of God that we start to talk about these things and actually examine the fundamentals of where we got this belief from. We need to look at our BS, our belief system. We need to look at our blind spots. And actually look at them and say, "How? what here is unhealthy? What things do we need to get healthy? Otherwise, we end up not being self-aware. And that comes out in all kinds of other problems. Passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive is being compliant on the outside, but defiant on the inside. But say what you really think. But why don't we say what we really think? Why can't we be really honest? And why can't we be honest in a way which is honoring to the other person? Eleanor Roosevelt once said this, the only person that can make you feel inferior is you. All right, nearly done, guys. I'm going to leave you with this because it's 12.15, it's, uh, I'm going to pray, I promise. So, this may help. So, what is then self awareness? Here it is. Self awareness is the ability to assess yourself, your thoughts, your actions, and habits, and most importantly, your belief system from where these things originated. I'll read that again. Self-awareness is the ability to assess yourself, your thoughts, your actions, and your habits, and most importantly, your belief systems from where these things originated. It is the ability to recognize yourself, to self-assess, to self-regulate, and to self-edit. And once we learn to really uh, be, ha- have good self-awareness, which starts with, g- with knowing our significance that comes from God, then we can actually freeze frame moments and watch them happen in slow motion and think, I am no longer going to act that way. Because God has got his finger on this area of my life. I'm no, I used to react, but now I'm going to respond. Oh, that's just... Mary, she, there she goes off again. She's just going off on one. She's just mad. This, 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 Mary. And it's almost funny, but it's not funny. It's actually an, uh, it's a, it's a lack of self-awareness. It's, a lack, it's actually an immaturity that if we'll actually look at it together and see how the word of God and what the word of God says and how to apply it, we can actually Change. Learning to listen, learning to stay in the conversation, learning not to just talk, 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 but learn to actually listen to what's being said. These are all self-awareness issues, and you may be sitting here today thinking, Dan, where's the Bible in all of this? This sounds more like a a weird TED talk. (laughs) But I want to say this, love is not rude. And when we really know the love of God, we put on love, and it will cause us to love ourselves as he loves us, and it will cause us to love the people around us and in doing that all creation that is waiting for the eager with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed suddenly the church will be revealed in all her splendor glorious church that Jesus died for and he's waiting so can we just stand together just put your hands on your heart you can close your eyes I'm not going to keep you any longer I know we've already broken bread but just put your hand on the heart. heavenly father I want to thank you for your church, not just this congregation, but your church across the world. And I thank you that I am, say, I am a part of your bride. I am a part of your body. I am a part of your vine. I am a part of your house. I am a part of your army. And today, Lord Jesus, we just surrender ourselves to you and commit to finding our significance in you and becoming so self-aware that we can reach all kinds of people and represent you well. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Have a great week. Go and give someone a hug. Go